Thanks, Hannah. Well, hello, everybody. My name's JP, if we've not met before, and uh, isn't this fun? Welcome from the building. And in, as Ben mentioned, it was so good to see all the different contributions in the chats. I, I love just seeing those different greetings and exhortations uh, to, to praise God for, uh, from Beth, from, uh, from Wendy, from Sophie. Uh, I know several even went twice, uh, the Cooks and Sonny kind of going at it to, uh, to see who could uh, get the contributions in. It's so much fun. Thank you for for, um, uh, for putting those in. And uh, do continue if uh, you feel uh, prophetic words come even for different ones um, as I speak, then uh, do pop those in the chat function. Uh, as well as it being really fun live streaming today, it's, it's been a really fun week um, for us as a church. Just simply, there's lots of stories been kind of coming to the fore of, of different things that um, God has been doing. We, we're continuing to hear testimony from our, we need to talk about race month, uh, of the effects of us uh, taking action uh, to fight for racial justice and numerous gospel conversations that are coming um, as a result um, of that month. Uh, also with, uh, with the Tri-Church Sunday that we did last week in our Alpha course, which is just in his first few weeks. Uh, loads of great stories coming in of people inviting their uh, friends to that last week or to Alpha, people just beginning to explore uh, the beautiful person of, of Jesus. It's, it's so exciting. Even Radiant Cleaners, the uh, social enterprise that we run as a church, um, won a grant this week and their social media can tell you more. Uh, so we thank God for those things. Um, but as Ben mentioned, we're, we're also starting a new series today. And the series is called I Am. Uh, it's looking at the I Am sayings of Jesus um, in the gospel account of John. It's an eyewitness account of his life. And so what we're going to do is, there are seven of those. We're going to cover um, the, the first three um, uh, just in, in the next few weeks. And then kind of Christmas comes and sort of takes over absolutely everything. So we're just going to put a pause. We're going to be uh, looking at some, uh, some Advent stuff um, during December with our carol services as well. Um, and then in January, we'll, we'll pick up the rest of the I Am Sayings along with Hot Off the Press, our month of prayer that we are going to be running as a church um, in January. Now, with these I am sayings, some of you might have come across them uh, before. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Um, but, but for others, they, they might be new to you. And, and, and what they are is that they, they all start with this phrase, I am, which is drawing on a, a divine name that has been revealed to, to the people of God. Way back in Exodus chapter 3, a name that God uh, re reveals of, of himself to his people, where he simply says, I am that I am. It's almost though that he's so far beyond our understanding and comprehension. He's the God who needs no definition. And so when Jesus starts each of these statements with the phrase, I am, he is stating the fact of his, of his divinity, that he is God on earth come to save man. Now, there's, there's lots of other places in, in the Gospel of John where Jesus uses um, the, this, this phrase, I am, without the kind of um, descriptions that, um, that accompany it in these seven sayings. So uh, John chapter 8, for instance, he's, he's talking to the Jews and he says, before Abraham was, I am. And they, they recognize the significance of that statement. They start to pick up stones to, to throw at him because they think that he's blaspheming, claiming to be God. Um, he is, of course, claiming to be God because he is. Um, but, we, but in these seven I am sayings, we've got this, this, divi this divine name followed by a description of who Jesus is. And they're designed to show who Jesus, being God in the flesh, dwelling amongst us, really is. And what he's like and what his ministry is to the world. 
And I don't know about you, but I find I continually need fresh reminders of the beauty and the glory and the victory of our Savior. Sometimes I, I just forget the significance of who he is. Sometimes I'll allow other voices to, to, to crowd, it, crowd out his truth. And so as we go through these statements, I'm, I'm believing that as, as we gaze afresh upon Jesus, that God is going to do a wonderful work of strengthening us for these strange times in which we find ourselves. Now, with these, these, these I am statements, the seven of them, I am the bread of life today, quotable as they are, they're actually not designed to be just taken in isolation and just chewed on. Um, there can be some health in that, of course, but, but each time, each of these statements comes as part of a, a much richer point that Jesus wants to make. And each one of them, in fact, is linked into an event that has just happened that Jesus gives explanation to. And so here in, in, in John chapter 6, we've got this, um, this long passage about how Jesus um, firstly got to the place that he did, and then belief in Jesus, and then a bit about bread, and then a bit about perseverance, and then Jesus' background, and then some more on bread, and then uh, more on Jesus' body, and even more on bread. There's loads of bread references going on. But it's all designed to be a commentary on the first part of chapter 6, which is the feeding of the 5,000 uh, 5, people with just uh, five loaves and two fish, where, where, where Jesus, just like Moses in the Old Testament, does this miraculous provision involving bread, and the people witness it, that it saves them from hunger or even much worse. And this time there's a few fish thrown in there for good measure. Biblical justification for the fish finger sandwich, come on. But um, if, if, we, if we want to know, or perhaps even need to know actually, what Jesus says about himself, then we've got to locate it in the context of, of the whole chapter actually. In this chapter, John chapter 6, it's, it's carved out in the gospel as the one time where, where John deals with Jesus' ministry in Galilee in, in, the, in the north of Israel. Um, John spends about um, half of his time looking at the, the Passion Week, the last week of Jesus' life, and kind of in and around Jerusalem in the south. The rest of the gospels, they're, they're in Galilee all the time really. But this, this one chapter, it's kind of carved out as, as this, this special, um, special chapter where, gone, uh, where John wants to look at this Galilean ministry. And um, we should really read it all out, but it's 71 verses long. So essentially, we'd be saying to poor Hannah, who just read that, um, come and lay down a killer baseline, then read 71 verses of scripture, and then back into place, because we'd be out of time. We have to, have to invite the band up. So um, we can't read it all out, but, but we've got to keep in mind that we've got to locate it in this wider chapter. I think this passage is utterly, utterly profound for our situation at the moment. So I'm going to pray, and I'm going to tell you why I think that is. So Lord Jesus, we just welcome you by your Holy Spirit as, um, as you open up um, your word to us. We ask that we'd see you afresh. We ask you, Lord, come and uh, read our hearts, read our souls, come and show us the way forwards. We thank you that forever you have made a way to the Father through your life, your death and resurrection, that we can come to you freely. Come and show us more of yourself as we look at these things. Amen. Amen. Okay, I want to I um, just kick off by ask, asking this. What's in a question? What's in a question? 
I have a three and a half year old daughter um, called Lizzie, and she is very much into asking the question, why? So we were talking about her cousin, Lucy, who's uh, 10 months old, and um, Lizzie said to me the other day, uh, can Lucy walk? And I said, oh no, um, she's, she's not even one yet. And Lizzie said, why? And so I said, do you mean why can't she walk yet or why is she not yet one? She said, why is she not one? Like, well, she was born less than one year ago. She's only 10 months old. And Lizzie said, why? And I said, well, because that's when she was born. That's when Auntie Haley had her. Why? Because that's when Jesus decided that she would be born. Why? Because he just did. He just did. You know, sometimes it just comes down to that, doesn't it? He just did. Or, or maybe take, take another example. Um, in a former life, I used to be a solicitor. And um, as part of my um, training, we, uh, we did some advocacy training where we had to uh, recreate uh, some of the court scenarios um, that we would later find ourselves in. And um, uh, my job was to cross-examine, uh, a.k.a. discredit, um, this witness who was playing the part of, a, of an older woman. So I think that uh, she was meant to be 76 years old or, or something like that, uh, using questions. And so this, uh, this fellow student was given the brief, and uh, I set about asking these questions. So uh, first question, um, would you, what would you say to your current state of health? Oh, yes, I'm in, in great health. Uh, second question, so what would you say to your memory then? Do you remember things and events well? Oh, yes, very well. Uh, third question, or perhaps you could tell me what year you were born then. And you saw the color drain from this student's face as they thought, hang on a minute, how old was I meant to be? What year does that make my year of birth? Oh, it goes over a century. It's really hard to wake out. I have no idea. And I'd got them. I'd got them there. It's a bit harsh, to be honest, but I got them. What's in a question? These days, we are asking a lot of questions, aren't we? What will the restrictions look like post-lockdown? What's the deal with this proposed vaccine? Why am I feeling like this? Will my health or mental health hold out? When can I see my family and friends again? Will my job still be there in three months' time? We're asking a lot of questions. But so were the Jews in Jesus' day. And so were they in this passage. And it's one of the things that I love about the Bible, that though the, the, the culture is very different, because the human heart and its tendencies don't change, often we can identify with the questions that people ask of Jesus when we simply stop to ask what's in the question. So I want to look at these three questions that the Jews asked Jesus in this passage that lead up to this glorious revelation in verse 35 of Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. Or read in your staple food of choice, rice, Gary, and Seema, pot noodles, whatever it might be. So here's the first question, verse 25. If, you, if you've got a Bible, do keep it open. We'll be going through verse by verse. Verse 25 says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? When did you come here? It's a, a question of explanation. Now, Jesus is just, what's going on? He's, he's just fed the 5,000 people on the eastern side of the lake. And he and his disciples have then um, left the scene, but there was only one boat and everybody in the crowd has seen that Jesus was not in the boat. 
And now they're all on the western side, either by boat or or walking around on foot. But no one has seen Jesus walk it or get into a boat. And yet all of them are looking out for him because as verse 15 of the chapter tells us, they want to make him king. Now, the reader, of course, knows that uh, he's got over because he's walked across the lake to the disciples' boat, got into the boat and come, come across. But the crowd don't know that. And so they're, they're asking for an explanation. They are saying, I don't get it. I don't get it. And isn't that the cry of our hearts right now? Why? What, what's going on here, Lord? I don't understand. I've lost my frame of reference. I can't work myself out. In this situation, I feel lost or uncertain. And they ask him, and you know, Jesus is the best answerer of questions that I have ever seen. I love how Jesus answers questions. Sometimes he answers them with stories, sometimes by returning the question, sometimes with wisdom that confounds or by quoting scripture, sometimes simply by remaining silent. But here, Jesus redefines the question. He says in verse 26, Truly, truly, I say to you, you're seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. He's saying, you are asking this, but let me tell you why you are asking. And in this case, it's uh, because you filled your stomachs with bread and fish and you, you want more of it. But, but let me tell you, says Jesus in verse 27, do not work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's Jesus, will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. You know, when the news broke on Monday from Pfizer and BioNTech about the first preliminary results of a a possible COVID vaccine, the media went wild and the stock markets saw their biggest jump um, since March. And that is great news. But what does it show? It shows the immense amount of hope that we as a society place in our health and in our wealth. When the university's minister this week announced plans um, uh, for students to return home in December and mentioned seeing loved ones at Christmas, the nation's spirits lifted. And that is a great thing. Until, of course, the next government minister or scientist kind of cuts it into doubt. But, But what does it all show? It shows the hope that we place on family and relationships and community. I'm not making a political comment here, but when when Joe Biden's election was confirmed at the start of this week, whole sections of social media erupted in relief. Why? Because of the perceived hope of reconciliation, of, of peace, of change. Like these are all good things. So are bread and fish in the story. But they're not ultimate things. And in fact, our Health and wealth and community and societal peace, they are the very things that have been shown to be so fragile by the events of 2020, where one virus brings the world to a standstill, where economies have been shrinking, where world peace through some of the events that have happened this year seems further away than ever before. Jesus redefines their question by redefining their hope. 
And what he's saying is that it is only the peace and assurance that Jesus gives that can be our sure and certain hope. And that is so important for us to hear at the moment. Because this, this COVID situation can tempt us into living for so many other things, especially when we can't meet together as a church in person. But it is only the life that Jesus gives that can withstand world crises, that can lead us through uncertain times. And we can look to financial provision or happy families or healthy bodies to sustain us. But those things are so fragile unless we first recognize that it is Jesus who is the very bread of life. That is Jesus who endures. That is Jesus who is our provider, our sustainer, the teller of a better story. Which leads us to their second question in verse 28. They said, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? So what do we need to do? It's a, a question of action. And you know, it's been the, the human desire to try and uh, do something about it ever since the Garden of Eden, actually, where uh, the decision to do rather than simply be or believe led Adam to uh, have a, a lot of hard doing uh, to be getting on with. And we see, we see this desire to do all around us, that like we see it in our relationships. How many marriages, my, my own in, included, where... Um, I say, Emma comes to me with a particular problem and my instant reaction is to try and do something about it. But all she wants is to be, to be heard and to be believed. We can see it in our relationship with God that so often we can tend towards self-reliance or self-justification. We think if, if only I can do this, then maybe God will be pleased with me. Wrong. Jesus through his death and resurrection has forever ensured that God will be pleased with us, will look upon us with favor, will grant us access to his throne. This desire to do is why we've been struggling this year because so often we're able to do things that then lead to some sense of achievement. But that's just been one of the great limiters of COVID, hasn't it? And so we can identify with the Jews when they ask Jesus, well, what do we need to do? Like, give us something where we can achieve something or justify ourselves, something where God can be pleased with us. It's just the, the human condition. But Jesus says in verse 29, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. This is the work of God to believe, to believe that Jesus is in control, to remind ourselves that Jesus truly is our provider and our sustainer, to fight for the perspective that Jesus is sufficient for us. You know, so often in difficult times like these, we can think that the solution is a change in our circumstances the restrictions to lift or better mental health or just to see people again. And boy, do we need those things. Just like the people in the story needed food and God did provide because he's faithful to fulfill all that he says he will do. His character is immaculate. He never transgresses himself, not once. He is faithful throughout all things. 
the Bible is so clear again and again and again that when trials come, when things get tough, when it's hard to see a way forward, the primary thing that is needed is a fresh revelation of Jesus, of who he is, of the fact that he's in control, that he's good, that he's kind, that he knows what he's doing, that he's there for you, that he will see you through. As a staff team, we were praying for this meeting um, this week and um, uh, Julie Walker, who um, together with her husband Jeremy, heads up our pastoral care team. Um, she brought a prophecy into this prayer time, which um, she remembered the, um, the story of, of Mary and Joseph, where um, for Joseph at least, uh, he's asked to go back to his roots with the, the whole census thing. And um, she, she was saying, she was praying that for each of us, we would have a, a personal Bethlehem, a going back to the very roots of life, of remembering that life really is all about a love relationship with Jesus. Worship of Jesus is what we were made to do. I loved it. And I want to invite you to seek out this week a fresh encounter with Jesus in your everyday to say, Jesus, I know you are enough for me. I know you are sufficient. Maybe for that to be a prayer focus for you this week. Lord, show me your sufficiency in my life. Show me that you are all I need. Show me that you're faithful. Maybe it's to spend some time living in or articulating or furthering your belief in and knowledge of this glorious Savior, Jesus, because he is what we need. I love how the US pastor, Craig Grishel, puts it. He says, if we can't change our circumstances, we have to change our perspective. We have to seek God to move us on from this. We can't thrive. We can't sort this. We can't do anything through to a mentality of Jesus is in charge. He will see us through. And that is a work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that comes by a knowing and believing and seeing that he is our, is our enough, our sufficiency, our provider, our sustainer, the teller of a better story. So Jews pick it up in verse 30 and they say, well then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is the, how will you show us, Jesus? It's a question of provision. And many of us will be feeling a, a, a lack right now. And we, we might, like the Jews in this passage, be tempted to say to Jesus, you know, Jesus, if you just did this one thing, then I'd be happy. Now Moses gave the manna, what will you give to us? How will you show yourself? It's ironic, of course. He just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. And the, the reader, of course, knows that he's just walked on water. But maybe the modern equivalent is, Lord, I, I don't feel that I can fully believe or trust or feel content until dot, dot, dot. Until you've given me back this uni experience that's been robbed from me until I've hugged my grandkids again, until our prophets look good again, until the baby groups are back on, until my health gets better. It's the kind of Jesus, what will you give to show me question? Do you know what Jesus' answer is? I will give you myself. I always have, 
I always will. And he causes them to look back and then to look forward. And in looking back, he says in verse 32, Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, it wasn't Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. And what's going on here is that Jesus is positioning himself as a better Moses who brings about a better exodus. When you read the feeding of the 5,000, there's loads of parallels between what Moses did and then what Jesus does. And yet the point here all along is that it was never Moses who did these things, but our father in heaven. The same one speaking to the Jews in this passage is the one who had provided for their ancestors all those years ago. He'd been providing for them. He'd been sustaining them. He'd been speaking a better story. And now Jesus is here. He promises a better exodus, a better escape, not just from a land or an oppressive regime as was the case back in Exodus and Moses never even made it to the promised land, but an escape from the grip of Satan, freedom from sin and shame, delivery even from death itself through his death on a cross. John would later go on to write, that Jesus said, I came, that you might have life and life in all its fullness. And that is what we can know in these strange COVID times because of the gospel, that though we feel trapped, we are indeed free, that though we feel overwhelmed, we are safe in his shelter, that though we feel fearful, not even death has mastery over us because we will live forever worshiping him. And so having redefined their past, that it was God, not Moses, who'd always provided for them, and having reassured them about their future, that God will forever be amongst his people, he causes them and also us to bring those perspectives into the present. And he says in verse 33, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That is just what Jesus has done. There is no greater gift that God can give us than himself. And we know that and we can say that because in 1 Peter chapter 1, it says that he has given us everything we need for life and godly living. All our provision, all our sustenance, all our health, all our community, all of our peace, they all stem from him. And I pray for this vaccine to come. I pray to see my family at Christmas. I pray this whole thing passes quickly. But the best thing that I have found to pray for is more of this bread, the life that Jesus gives. And what's arisen in my heart is to join with the Jews in verse 34 to say, Sir, Jesus, give us this bread always. And then the great revelation Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall never hunger and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. You know, this week, just to finish off, like many of us, um, I personally have found myself fighting a, um, a sense of fatigue. Um, just to be honest, it, emotionally, I found myself more fragile than I thought I was. Um, felt quite volatile, felt quite low at times. 
um, felt quite quick to frustration. But my testimony is that his grace has brought me safe thus far, as the song says, and his grace will lead me on. And my hope, my perseverance, both in the week gone and next time I feel like that, it comes in the moments of seeing that Jesus is my sufficiency. It comes as you hear different scriptures read out. I was so struck by uh, that cry of praise that the Skinners put on the chat just at the start. I just saw Jesus in that moment. Another prayer time over Zoom this week, Claudia had set up our kids' words. She quoted from Psalm 3, You, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the lifter of my head. You just catch a glimpse of him as our sufficiency. It changes your whole perspective comes in the moments that God graciously gives to talk to those around you, my wife, my boss, my doctor even, to get reassurance by the grace of God. And my feelings have taken time to catch up with the reality, but here's the truth that I am praying they come into line with. Jesus is all I need. And it's the same for you too. So I started this message by asking, what's in a question? Well, how about this one? How are you doing just now? Whether you're in a good place or a bad place, I want to invite you to ask Jesus this week for a fresh encounter with him, for fresh revelation, for fresh bread, and to cling to the one who is our provider, our sustainer, and who tells a better story. Amen. I'm going to invite the band up just because we're going to pray and... um, Good to have a little bit of um, atmosphere in the background. And just where you are, um, I just find it really helpful to sometimes get off the sofa, get off the chair, just stand up and just get yourself in a position to receive. Because we're going to pray and, and just believe in that in homes all across the city. God's going to deposit something, going to break things off of uh, some other people. So just want to encourage you, just rise to your feet in this moment. If there's words of knowledge that you, for you have, um, again, just pop those in the chat. We, uh, we uh, do that quickly. We don't have too long left. We'll be finishing in a moment. But I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit touches and empowers us. And his role is to reveal more and more of the finished work of Jesus, that he's our sufficiency. So I want to encourage you just to put your hands out. There's nothing magical about this. It. just a, a, a posture that says, I'm ready to receive, Lord. And just to close your eyes and gaze afresh upon your Savior, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we invite you in this moment to come and touch our hearts. And we know that as you come, sometimes that might be painful as you reveal things that you want to do within us. As you point out things where we're still hurting. And yet as you come, you always bring hope because you join with our spirit in crying, Abba, Father. And so Father, we lift ourselves to you in this moment. We lift our brothers and sisters across the city to you in this moment. Difficult as these times are, battle as it is. And we say, would we remember and know that truly your son is the very bread of life, that truly he is all that we need. Would you shake us out of our self-doubts? Would you shake us out of trying to justify ourselves, trying to work our way out of this? 
And would you cause us to come to you afresh and to say, Jesus, fill me up. Give me this bread always. I need you. Just allow the Lord right now in this one, just to unlock things in your heart. Some of you, there's still areas you're saying, I happily pray this prayer, but God, you can't go into that bit. Chambers of your heart that God wants to unlock. Some of these will be painful. Some of these will be teary. But he does this because he's your father, because he knows your best, because he wants to bring breakthrough for you, because he wants to bring the healing balm of the Holy Spirit to your very soul. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the power of your words and the sustaining power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, we're almost out of time for this morning. I'm just going to invite Ben and Esme uh, back to the stage just to uh, finish off this morning. It's been so good to be together. Ben, Esme.